You are listening to the Living Way Church podcast. For more information about Living Way Church, go to livingwaychurch.cc. Today we're talking about uh, perspective. And so, um, and bear with me because I was supposed to give notes to, to Randy, but I couldn't get down here to where my phone, I had left my phone before service. So if the slides don't match up with what I'm talking about, it's not Randy's fault. It's totally my fault. All right, so, um, so we're talking about perspective today. Now, you guys know I'm an engineer by trade, right? That's, that's my background. Um, I was not originally a speaker or a teacher. I was originally a nuclear engineer in the Navy. And so uh, one of my favorite parts about engineering is sketching and drawing. Uh, and I love perspective. I can barely do it, but I love it. I love seeing how things come together. And that if you just change how you look at it just a little bit when, when you're drawing or when you're creating or when you're designing, it really changes the way the picture looks, the way it comes across to you. And you have to think about that in everything you do and present. So uh, as we go through, I just it was such a fun opportunity for me to like put perspective pictures up there and totally like, do my engineering thing behind the scenes. So if you get distracted by the perspective, I think they're cool, and I'm okay with that. So if you hate them, I love you. Um, so uh, I'm going to start with uh, telling you a little bit of, uh, of a story that goes into this. Um, you guys know a lot of times when I get up here, I talk about my family. And, and it's not because we're perfect or because we've got it all figured out. By goodness sakes, we don't. Okay, But uh, over the years, watching my family and watching how they deal with different things and watch how they turn to Christ has taught me how to do the same thing. And so any lesson I've learned from my family, I like to share with you guys because it's taught me something pretty valuable. And t- today we're going to be... Uh, uh, talking about, it says in your bulletin that we're going to be talking about Peter. I changed it uh, this week and didn't tell, uh, um, who is that guy that's not here anymore? Uh, Ted, thank you. Uh, I know, what, where was that? I couldn't figure it out. But uh, I didn't tell Ted I was changing it to Paul. So it says I'm talking about Peter, I'm really talking about Paul. Um, and when I started thinking about this perspective and, and how Paul lived and, and what he did, um, I started thinking about my sister. And I have an older sister, and I have a younger sister, and I have three younger brothers. So I come from a pretty big family. And my sister was the first one to have kids. So this story is about uh, one of her children named Isaac. And Isaac uh, was kind of a special situation. Uh, Before Isaac was born, um, they told her that he wouldn't live past birth that she, if she chose to have the baby, that Isaac probably would die in childbirth. And if he did uh, make it through childbirth, he would be horribly deformed, uh, very, very, very high scale of autism. Um, they actually had, and this is just horrible, I don't know why you would ever tell somebody this, but the, the term for the baby she was having was monster baby. How horrible is that? Does it just make your heart like, <laughs> right? And it did. I was like, why would you ever say something or do that? And my sister said, no, um, we are going to go ahead and have this baby. And she explained to them her, her views on, on abortion, her views on uh, trusting God, and that she believed that God had a purpose in all of this. And so she was determined to, to have this baby, uh, regardless of what happened. And uh, so as we go through this story, you're going to hear the rest of the story. But it, it tied in so much to, to what I was thinking, and, and it's this, that don't we all sometimes have these situations or... Um, things that we're in, and we need to be reminded that God's in control? I know I do. I think it could be anything. It doesn't have to be anything as, as bad as what my sister went through, though sometimes it is, but it could just be the little things. How many of you guys worry every week? 
You know, how many guys stress out about where the money's going to come from, uh, or uh, if your kids are going to do well in school, or just in general your children? How many of you have children? Okay, that tells me everything I need to know. All right, because uh, I have four and I love them, but sometimes mm, I'm just telling you that's all I can say about that. Okay. So we're going to focus on Philippians 1, 12 through 18. Uh, I like to take little pieces of scripture and just pull out, there's so much. We're talking about six verses here. And oh my gosh, Paul packs just uh, the first chapter of Philippians alone, but just this little bit, he packs so much in. So we're just going to pull this apart. We're going to chew on it for a little bit and see what it means to, to have a perspective that might change how we see things going around us. Um, so if you will, open up with me to uh, Philippians 1, 12 through 18. If it's okay, I'm going to pray over this, uh, the scripture before we read it. God, I just pray right now that as we get into the Bible, we get into your word, that it does what your word does, that it changes us, it draws us closer to you, it makes us more like you. And God, that we today uh, honor the fact that you put this together for us, for us to read and be able to grow from. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so listen to what Paul tells us. Okay, here we go. Uh, This is where he's at. Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it's become clear. Huh? Did I? I thought somebody was telling me I was reading something wrong. I was like, oh, uh oh. Throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of my brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I'm put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely. Supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached, and because of this I rejoice. Uh, Today we're going to break down this passage. To, to see what proper perspective is, how it changes us, how it does stuff. So let's start with the first one. Okay, I believe that proper perspective allows the believer to choose attitudes of love for one another. And more importantly, to carry it out. Okay, now I want to kind of paint the picture for you here. Paul's in prison. Now when we think of prison, we think of something completely different than what was going in and on and around at Rome at the time. Okay, Paul in prison is probably being beaten. Uh, when they're unhappy or it's a bad day, they'll put them in stocks uh, where they, where, that are designed to contort the body in ways that it just can't get comfortable. Okay, prison in Paul's day is not, I mean, not to say that prison in our day is good, it's not, but prison in Paul's day was torture. They had no rights, and they, they, they used prison as a point to uh, drive that, that home, that the Romans were in control and you needed to capitulate. Okay, now, uh, add to that that Paul's probably, we're, we assume that this is during Paul's uh, journey to eventually speak before the, uh, Caesar, and so we also have to keep in mind that Paul's probably here by choice. At any time, he could uh, probably do a couple things that would get him out, and we're going to talk more about that later, but that Paul is choosing to remain where he is because he feels like that is where God has him. So, look at this verse in uh, 9 through 11. And it says this, and this is my prayer that your love may abound more and, so I have to get this right size, more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. This is in 9 through 11, by the way, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Early in the chapter, he's saying, do you understand 
that the love of God, the love of Christ in your life should be doing something? I mean, Paul gets it. I mean, he's read what is out there to read. He's talked to Peter. He's talked to the apostles personally. And so he's heard Jesus saying, look, there's two good commandments that you really, really need to focus in on. And they are love me and love others. Okay, and he's, and he's also heard Jesus talk about how we don't have to really worry about self because he takes care of sparrows and flowers, and those don't matter. And if he cares for them, how much more does he love us and care for us? So Paul gets this idea that his perspective in God is that God loves us so much. And you hear it over and over in all the chapters and all the stuff he writes. He says, look, I, I, God loved us so much that he went to a cross to die for us while we were still sinners. It's one, he, he, he plays this all out. It's one thing to die for someone you love. That's honorable. But to die for someone who hates you, who has rebelled against you, that's love. That's how much God loves us. And so Paul understands that, and Paul turns that around and says, look, if God loves me that much, then who am I not to love the people that are in these circumstances with me? I want you to let that sink in a little bit. Because whatever you're going through right now or whatever you've gone through, Sometimes we're put in those circumstances not because we did anything wrong, not because God doesn't love us, but because there are people in those circumstances that need us to be there. And when we have that perspective, we start to look for God's plan in that perspective, and we understand that we were there for somebody else, which is acting out of love, and the circumstances don't get to us. I'm sure Paul has tough days, but it doesn't get to him so much that he doesn't forget what he's called to. So stay with me here as we, as we unpack this a little bit more. Okay. Um, I want to go back to my sister for a second. Uh, so the, the day comes and Isaac is born and, and he survives birth, but it's very traumatic and he's damaged more in birth than, than they anticipated. So uh, Isaac could die at any moment. Uh, he, just to give you kind of the, the story so you know where we're going, he lives a little short of a year, okay? And that entire year is spent in hospitals, um, uh, comforting Isaac. He's in, he's in pain. He's, he's uh, having to go through surgeries and, and all kinds of different things going on. And through this entire time, my family is in the hospital with Isaac at one point or another. There is somebody at all times with Isaac. And as I think about the, the things that are going on, I think that what my sister clung to and her family clung to is that their love for Christ. I mean, think about this. God's love for us can't be contained. It overflows into us, through us, and out. Of, when we serve God, his love for us is so intense, and it can't be contained. And my sister clung to that, that she was loved dearly and that there was purpose in, in this, and that God had something for her in this and the family, and, and through all the pain, and I can't imagine, like I can't contemplate one of my kids being that sick. And through all of that, the love that God had for her as she clung on to it began to overflow out to the nurses and the doctors around. I mean, why are you doing this? Why are you going through this? And she would talk about God, and she would talk about how much God loved her and how much God loved Isaac. And, and, and that love delivers comfort. In, in the midst of everything, showing God's love to others and, showing, uh, and receiving God's love gives us comfort. And so it's not just about being loved by God. It's by letting that overflow out of us to others. 
But the only way we can do that is if we have the perspective of the fact that God loves us. So much that he died for us, and that perspective stays clear. It's crystal clear. It's right there. We know we have it. We know he's offering it. We know it's unending, and it's going to comfort us and be there through anything. And then that allows us to comfort others, even in our worst of situations. Paul is saying, look around what's happening. Everybody I know knows that I'm here because of Christ. And then I'm going through this because of Christ. I requested to be here so that one day I can speak the gospel to Caesar. Everybody knows. And the guards and other believers have come to Christ and become emboldened and others are telling Christ, and it's all good. The love of Christ, the gospel of Christ is being shared. So what do we do with that? Um, You know, if you, I want you to, the words are so powerful. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace garden to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Um, That love is what gives Paul perspective, his love for others and his love for God. So let's keep going with that. What else gives us perspective? Um, I think when we have the right perspective, we grow to a point where we can do things like Paul did. I'm not saying you're ready to be in prison for Paul yet. Some of you aren't, or like Paul. Some of you aren't. Some of you aren't ready to go through the circumstances Paul went through because you don't know Christ well enough to get you through it. And that's okay. Some of you are ready. Some of you could go to, could, could go to a foreign country and preach Christ and be put in jail, and you're okay with that. We're in all stages. But when we have the proper perspective, we start to grow to the point where we're not afraid of serving God in anything. And, and that's really, really good, right? I, I, I would think. So... Um, Do you guys believe that God's in control of all situations? This is a tough question. I mean, I want you to, I tell my kids in engineering, they hate this question. I'm like, stop answering and start thinking, right? I get on them all the time because they'll give me an answer. I'll be like, "Uh, why is this happening this way? And they're like, voltage. I'm like, that's just a word you know, okay? (laughs) I'm like, does it make any sense? And, and, and I don't, for a second, and I love you, I love you guys. And so don't feel like when I, when I say this, I'm, I'm like judging you or thinking you're better or worse than me. I'm not. Uh, what I want to ask you is, if you believe that God's in control in all situations, does it reflect your action? Does your life reflect that you truly believe that? Because when I look at Paul, I'm pretty sure that Paul's going through horrible things. When I look at my sister, and I know what she went through, they were firmly in those situations believing that God was in control of the whole situation, right? And, and, and it showed in their actions. They could rise above the situation to do what God called them to do. And in that, this is crazy, like watching my sister's faith grow through this was cool. It was, there was a lot of things that were really, really neat and a lot of things that were really, really tragic in this. And one of the things was watching my sister's faith in God grow. If God can get her through that, I mean, what else is, God, what else is she going to be in the middle of that God can't handle, right? And so as her faith grew, she became more able to put God in front of people in any situation. And so I think it's this, this understanding that God loves us. God's in control of every situation. The more we understand that, acknowledge that, the more we can feel free to act out of love in our circumstances, to act towards other people in certain circumstances. Um, you guys know I'm a coach as well, right, or have been over the years. Um, 
I am a different kind of coach. I'm fairly intense when I coach. Uh, it's, it's, it's weird because it's very quiet. It's very understated, but I'm very intense. So uh, where's Austin? Austin, come here. This is going to hurt a little. It won't hurt at all. I'm just messing with you because you booed me. All right. Come on. Where are you? Come on. So if I'm coaching football or wrestling, my son will tell you the same thing. Okay. Um, I coach painful sports. I don't know what the attraction is, but I, I, I like things that cause pain. It's all right, man. Relax. All right. Okay. After I say that, you're like... You got all tense. You're like pain. You're like stay away. All right. And Austin and I have gone around a couple times, and Austin's experienced that level of of pain in coaching. It's good, right? Wrestling is a sadistic sport. Okay. Uh, you have to. There's nothing good about wrestling until you get on the mat and win. Even during the mat, it's pure torture. All right. So a lot of times when my guys are, let's, I don't know, do something athletic. Go, run in place, do some jumping jacks, up downs. Up downs, there you go. Yeah, do a lot of those, like like five of them. You can do one more. That's good. One more. It's just fun. <laughs> All right. So if I don't see it, it, when I'm coaching, what I have to remind them is: Did, did any of that look like fun to you? No. How many of you guys said that looked like pure torture? Right. I get it. And so what I have to do is convince this young man that what he's doing that I'm telling you he doesn't like either. He might like the first couple. But very few of us like the extended uh, torture of football and, and, and wrestling during practice is I have to convince him that what he's doing right now has future impact. You with me? And so a lot of times what I'll do, especially when they get frustrated, is I'll get right up in their grill. We're like, come here, brother. Right? And very quietly and very one-on-one, -on -one, I will say, hey, this is what's going on. And if you give it just a little bit more time, a little bit more effort, Saturday when this pays off or Friday night when this pays off, it's going to be amazing, and you will not remember any of this, right? And do you find that to be true? Yes. Okay. He said yes, if you didn't hear him. It's true. Okay, you can sit down. Thank you for being an example today. Give him a hand. So I didn't hurt him much. So as an athlete, a lot of times you have to put your focus on things that are beyond the circumstances you're in. And being able to look to the future and kind of come back and see where your present circumstance is in gives you a perspective that allows you to get through what you're in right now. You guys with me on that? And it grows our faith. That's really, really important. So, he understands why he's in his circumstances. He really does, Paul. Um, he says two things that I love. Um, he says, it's clear that I'm in chains for Christ. And later he says, people are coming because of my chains. All right? Um, in 20, what I love, if you go a little bit further, in 20 that ties into this, he later says, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. Right? And so... Um, when we study the Bible, we study people like Paul or like Moses or, or um, David or pick a, pick a biblical character, we begin to see that um, these stories relate us back to a God who allows circumstances so that his name is glorified. 
And that through this, he uses us with purpose to be involved in those circumstances because the people around us need us. Now, what kills me about this, what just blows my mind, I want you to wrap your head around this for a second, is God uses us. God has purpose in our circumstances. God has purpose in what we do. But he doesn't need us to do it. Like sometimes I think we get wrapped up in the fact that somehow if I don't act, God won't act. God's going to act, right? He's going to do what he feels continues the story of redemption, of the gospel. And he allows me to have purpose in that. Read Genesis. Go back to Genesis and read the story. Man and woman had purpose from beginning. They were made in God's image, and they were given control of the garden and given purpose to reign under a king. And we're given that same purpose. It's not like Jesus came and took away all purpose because he could do it by himself. He doesn't need us. But he uses us and allows us to be involved in things like prayer. And, and to say that, that I won't move until you pray. Not because he needs us to pray, but that is our part. Isn't that crazy that God will actually hold back until we pray for him to move? Doesn't that give us perspective that we need to pray? <laughs> I'm just saying. I, I, there's so many things that we could go back to in the stories. Okay? So as our faith grows, as we start to understand the perspective of love that we are loved, and when we love, the result of that is an outpouring of love. And that when we start to understand that God is in control and we totally grasp that and start to put in our faith to that, our faith grows. Out of our faith, our actions show that we believe in a God who's in control so circumstances and things don't freak us out, right? Now we have a new perspective, okay? We keep going, and here we go. Um, we start to understand that God's most important goal is not us. It's to advance the gospel. The story of the Bible is not about you. You let that sink in for a minute. It's not about me either, all right? So don't think like somehow you become like a better Christian and that's what I'm saying and then the story of the Bible is about you. It's not. You know who it's about? This is an easy one. Who's it about? about God and Jesus, right? It's about them being glorified and the gospel being spread through all the nations. The last thing Jesus says is go into all the nations, making disciples, preaching the word. His perspective is the gospel be spread. Do you see this in Paul's journey here? Like as I start to read this, I mean, listen to what he's saying about these guys. Um, let me find it. Sorry. It's true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. So you got two people here, envy and rivalry. And I, I, want, you, I want to drive this point home in just a second. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached, and because of this, I rejoice. So i, I got to put this back in perspective. So Paul gets thrown in jail originally because he's preaching in Jerusalem, and the, the Jews in Jerusalem that are not Christians stir up a lot of trouble and get him arrested. 
And he goes before uh, authorities in that area, and they say, we have nothing to hold you on, right? Uh, it, it, we don't have anything. We could, you could go. And Paul says, no, I demand my right for trial before Caesar. Paul has a totally different plan here. He says, I'm going to take this to the highest courts, and I'm going to plead God's case before Caesar. As a Roman citizen, you had the right to do that, and Paul was a Roman citizen. So while he's in jail, what would make it worse for him is if stuff is getting stirred up because Christ's name is being proclaimed. The worst thing that could happen to Paul in prison right now because of why he got arrested is that Christ is being proclaimed. More and more people are coming to him, and that's causing attention in the empire. And so these people that want to destroy Paul are preaching Christ crucified so that he gets tortured. Paul knows exactly why they're doing it. And you know what he says? Great. If, if you're going to torture me and Christ is going to be proclaimed and that's the results, keep preaching. Christ is bringing, I don't care about your motives. Where does that kind of perspective come from? Right? It's Paul understanding that his, in Philippians, one of those famous verses, Right? Those ones that go on your coffee mug. Do you ever read Philippians and be like, every verse could go on a coffee mug or a t-shirt? Like that's every time I read Philippians, I'm like, that's a new t-shirt. All right. He says, to live is, you guys remember this verse? To live is, is Christ. To die is gain. Right? He knows that when he dies, he is immediately, that day, resurrected in Christ. He knows when he dies. If it, this goes to death, the struggle is over. He's in eternal. His perspective is much, he says in this same chapter, view it as citizens of heaven. You are citizens of heaven. You are aliens here. And so he knows the day he dies, he gets to go be home. He doesn't see this world as home. His perspective is, is eternal. And because of that, he knows while he's here to live as Christ. What he means by that is to live is while I'm here, I will proclaim the gospel in season and out. I will proclaim the gospel. And this is what he's doing here. He doesn't care why it's getting proclaimed. He knows why they're doing it. And he, this is the most important part. He could put a stop to it. At any time he wants this stopped, he could discredit the people that are preaching Christ and say they're not doing it for the right motives, don't listen to them. And he doesn't. Because they're preaching Christ crucified. So he lets it go on even though it's going to cost him. Where does that kind of perspective come from? Right? I, I don't know. As I, as I look at it, I think to myself, I wish I, I knew exactly where I could get that and hang on to that. Because sometimes I miss it. Right? Now, go back to my sister for a second. My family, for the most part, there's a couple uh, that are still figuring this out, but my family, for the most part, counts on the fact that God needs to be glorified in all situations. We don't always do it, okay? But here, my sister prayed, my sister talked, my sister, uh, when people were asking her, she, she would glorify God and say he's got a plan. He knows what's going on. Uh, I'm not afraid. Um, I'm not afraid of what's going on. And this focus on God didn't overwhelm them. Death and circumstances 
in, in all of this did not overwhelm them. They could see that God had a plan. They could see that somehow the gospel was being spread, and they knew they had purpose in the situation. How many of you guys in your situation, your situation would be a thousand times better if you just knew why you were there? If, if God could just answer that one question, if you could just be like, how many times have you been in a bad place? And you said, God, why? I, I don't get it. And if you just knew your purpose, how much would that change? And I promise, in every situation you've ever been, every bad situation you've ever been in, every situation of worry, every situation of fear, there's been somebody else there with you in it, if just watching you. And if you understand that your purpose in that is to proclaim the gospel at all times so that even in the worst of circumstances, they see that we don't fear death. Think about what that would do. Think about the times you were in circumstances and you didn't do that. The opportunities missed. The people that were around you that instead of seeing God and God in control, saw you in a mess. And understand that this is temporary. That's the other key. We keep our eyes on eternal and we understand that this is temporary. Um... I want to keep you keep in mind of a couple things. God is powerful. Okay? This helps with this perspective that God's in control. God is powerful. The, the Bible says he's all powerful. I, I can't get my head around that. So I just think about the most powerful thing I can think of, right? And then I say, okay, God's at least stronger than that. So um, I think of me. Just kidding. Uh, <laughs> uh, some of you guys got that. Some of you didn't. Uh, no. I think what I usually think of is a, this is really dumb, but a nuclear weapon, right? It's the most powerful thing I can think of uh, on earth, right? Most powerful destructive force. And I think God, that doesn't even compare to the powerfulness of God. And then the other thing that you have to keep in mind, if God is powerful, the other side of it is God is knowledgeable, right? God knows all things. God is uh, powerful and knowledgeable. He's, he's all-knowing. Put those two together for a second. God can get you out of any situation you're in. At any moment, you can pray to God and say, God, you're powerful enough to remove me from this. And God can say, yes, I am, and remove you from it. And we usually pray that. Okay, I know I do when I'm in bed. God, please, your will, but get me out of here. All right? But I, the, the your will is just something I tack on because I know good Christians do. Right? Like, God, heal me. And if it's not your will to heal me, Heal me anyways, <laughs> right? Um, God uh, fixes jerk at work, and God's like, I'm working on you, um, <laughs> you, you know? And I'm like, oh, okay, <laughs> I'm good. Um, <laughs> guys, God is all-knowledgeable so if, and all-powerful, so if he can remove us out of a situation and he doesn't, then we have to pray that he knows what he's doing, and that we can accept that. Because I guarantee you, if he's got you in a horrible situation and he's not pulling you out of it, you're in it because someone needs you to be in it so they can know him. And that perspective changes everything. It, it really, really does. All right, so now I'm going from I'm loved 
And that perspective allows me to uh, start to believe that God's in control, which lets me grow my faith. And then as my faith goes, I start to see that every situation I'm in is a gospel opportunity. I mean, if we really believe just those three perspectives and we could focus on just those three, how different would this world be? Would there be hungry people? Would there be people that are hurting that nobody's talking to? Would, would we treat the mentally ill like we treat the mentally ill? I don't think we would. I really don't. Because if, if our love overflowed, we couldn't stand to see people hurting. And, and in, in our circumstances, we would present the gospel, which is the balm to everything. You know, I think sometimes we're so greedy with the gospel. We use it for our comfort and forget that it's for other people's as well. Um, so then, this is great. Okay, proper perspective then from there. I'm sorry, I'm going to skip one here. I'm going to go ahead and do this one again. I want to talk to this a little bit more. I did this point, basically the same point twice. I didn't mean to, but there's some good stuff in here. So um, I wanted to say that it allows us to, to realize that God is control and that it doesn't matter who preaches the gospel. I think I'm going to go I'm br briefly go over this real quick. Um, be honest with yourself for a second because I have to do this. How many of you work in the church and wish you did something else? Or have ever been in that situation? I remember growing up, right? I, 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 at junior high, I can remember God clearly calling me to be a pastor and be a youth pastor and work with youth. And I was very impatient. And whenever anybody got to work with youth or be a pastor before me, I'd be like, that's not fair. Like, God, you called me. When is it going to be my turn? And God, oh, yeah, they led 8,000 people to Christ, but pfft, I could have done that, Right? And I would get bitter about what other people were doing and, and how other people were coming to Christ and that I wasn't being used that way. And that, you know, all I was doing was putting toilet paper rolls on toilet paper holders because that's what the church needed. Oh, it's honorable. But I didn't feel that way. Like, I was like, I do not feel honored right now in this bathroom stall, <laughs> right? But God was like, look, man, people need to wipe. <laughs> and if you don't have that, <laughs> I'm sorry, it's true, <laughs> Right? If, if you don't realize that, then I don't want to sit next to you. Um, so, just saying. But why did I think somehow that preaching was better than the guy that went and put toilet paper rolls? Like, where did I get that? Pure pride, right? But when we start to see, it doesn't really matter why or what. I, and that's the other thing. I would see people preach, and I would be like, I know them, God. They are not like what you think of when you think of a godly pastor, but People are being saved, and it would get me all upset. And God is like, who, who are you, and why do you care? People are being saved. People know me. It's not about knowing you. I'm like, ooh, <laughs> okay. But somewhere inside, I wanted them to know me too. I wanted them to know God, and I wanted them to know me as the person that led them to God, right? And, and that's a struggle. And I had to be, here's the thing. I didn't get to become a full-time pastor until my late 30s. Why do you think that was? Because it was a struggle until 30 to give God credit for what I did instead of to take credit for what I did, right? And so God wasn't going to put me in a place of trust or a place of ability to lead people in Christ when I wasn't willing to give him the full glory for it. And so, I, guys, I want you to hear this, that proper perspective allows us to accept the work that God has for us without feeling that 
we're not being honored or we're not being used. My putting those toilet paper rolls on the toilet paper uh, holders was just as important as what I'm doing right now. Probably more important. Because if that background stuff doesn't get done, people stop coming to church. I'm just saying. If, if, if that hospitality table isn't out there, if those kids aren't taken care of, if this sound, think about what if our beautiful, wonderful sound crew and what they do every day. They wake up at like early. Like, I don't know how early it is, but anything before seven is early so, uh, for me. So earlier than that. And they get it here. And, and do you even know who does that? But God honors them just as much as he honors any of us. And perspective is God isn't the respecter of persons. Perspective is, is we know God and we start to understand that he's in control. We don't care who delivers the gospel. We just want to be a part of it. Paul's not getting to deliver the gospel the way he was able to previously. Other people are doing it. And he has to sit back and watch them and encourage them. Uh, but he's not getting to deliver it. And he just doesn't care. I mean, that last voice uh, you hear from him in this verse is Christ is pre preached, and because of that, I rejoice. So let's rejoice when Christ is preached, even when we suspect that the person doing it is not the most holy or that you would do a better job. Rejoice that Christ is being preached and do whatever God has for you in the, in the meantime. It's really, really important. It's how churches should run. And hopefully m more and more of you will be honored in what you do. Um, Okay, so now that we understand how the work, why the work of Christ is accomplished, and really how the perspective is how it's accomplished, it's all of us working together, right? Then what's the last perspective? The last perspective I have for you is this. Um, life on earth is about sharing the gospel then, and it's temporary, right? Have you guys ever seen the analogy where somebody gets a rope, and like they put like a, a line on the rope and say, this is eternity? Paul, Ted's done it like a billion times. All right, um, I exaggerate a small bit. All right, but he's done it a lot. And, and that rope represents eternity and our time in eternity. And then I saw Francis Chan do it the other day. And uh, he put the, our color at the very beginning because for us, eternity starts the day we were born. I mean, really, do you really care about the eternity that went before you? How many of you like are really focused on the eternity of all the people that came? You like to remember your relatives and think about your ancestors and really like focus, but really... Our main focus is where we are at now, and that's okay. So what's your purpose? What are you doing with it? You know Christ. You've been given the most powerful source of everything, and it lives with and resides in you if you know Christ. And that perspective should take away all fear, all reservations, and motivate us to preach the gospel like it's never been preached before. And it shouldn't be me and Ted that are the only ones doing it. Not that I'm saying that's the case. It's not our jobs to, Ted and my's job to preach the gospel. It's our job to preach the gospel. You guys see the difference? Ted and I get up here on Sundays and preach, but if you guys don't invite people, how are we ever going to talk to your friends? It's our job to preach the gospel. If you're at work and a circumstance is taking over and you've got this eternal perspective we're talking about, who gets to preach the gospel? You do. And if you're not sure, that's why we're here, is to help train you, to help teach you to, to do that. And, and on Sundays when you come in, it should be a study session. It should be, okay, God, what do you have for me? How is it going to equip me? What do I do with it? 
If your perspective is that God loves you, I'm going to be honest, you're not going to be standing out there while there's worship going on in here. Because you want to give that love back and you want to get more of it. And that's what we get in worship. We get rained down love from God that he cares about us. And we get to worship and love him back. And that interaction is the best part. When you went on a date, your first date, did you go by yourself? Just curious. That would be like the worst first date ever. Hey, the date was good. You want to go again? I wasn't there the first time. Um, That makes no sense. right? The best part about the date is the interaction. That's what worship is. It's the interaction with God, and we're missing out on that. But if our perspective was God loves me and I don't want to miss out on it, worship would be more important, I think, to us. Okay? Um, So Paul, throughout this chapter, explains how to live as Christ, right? He doesn't stop. Uh, He knows he can be um, taken out of this situation at any time. Makes me think back to my sister. She knows that to live through this is Christ, and she can end it at any time. All she has to do at any time is say, pull the plug, stop the medication, stop the... She can end this at any time. But she chooses to fight for Isaac and continues to tell people that her hope is not that Isaac lives or dies, that her hope is Christ. And live or die, she, she will see Isaac while he's living, and she will see Isaac again. And she, and she clings to this. My entire family does. My dad and my mom are there through the entire thing. Uh, people are coming in and out, friends and supporters. Um, and I'm pretty sure through all of that, there were days where she felt exactly like Paul probably feels in this prison cell. Come, Jesus. Just come. End this. This suffering, this hardness. Let's just be with you. I'm sure there were days that was her prayer. Because I can think of nothing worse than for a mother to sit beside a hurting child. And so I'm sure her prayer was for Jesus to come. And in the meantime, let me just be in you so that others can see that I'm cared for and that I'm loved. The best part of this story is, is not that one day we'll get reunited with Isaac. Because Isaac passed away just short of his first, first birthday. Um, it's not that we're going to get to see Isaac. Though that's amazing. I like to tie, whenever I think of Isaac, I think of my days as coaching. And this is going to sound really weird because Isaac would have never been able in any way, shape, or form if he had lived to be able to participate in anything resembling a sport or a physical activity. He would have been uh, a special needs child for the rest of his life and there would have been no fixing that. But I know one day I'm going to be able to be up in heaven with Isaac and rejoicing, not in the fact that he can run and jump and sing and do all the things he would never been able to do on earth, but that we both get to praise Christ. And that's what got me and my sister and everybody through this. The best part is Isaac brought people to Christ. Nurses came to Christ. Doctors heard about Christ. And they discussed over this year with my sister and my father and my brother-in-law and their family what the hope they had that was keeping them going because they couldn't understand it. And people knew Christ. And even today, in messages I speak, Isaac is still bringing people to Christ. Isaac's life was not pointless. 
Isaac's life was not meaningless. Everybody else in the world probably said it would be. That that pain suffered by both family and Isaac was not worth it. But, but I say Christ was glorified. People knew him. The gospel was advanced. Isaac had purpose. I, I, I believe that. I believe that with everything I'm at. Uh, everything I am. When I hear my sister talk about this, the focus is not losing Isaac. To this day, when we talk about Isaac, it's not as often as it used to be, but when we do talk about it, it's about all the people that do Christ because of him. That's the perspective we get, guys. When we, when we, when we understand that our suffering, that we understand that uh, what's going on in our lives is got purpose and that God loves us and that he's in control. And if he's leaving us somewhere, it's on purpose so that we can portray the gospel to the people that need to hear it. Uh, guys, and, and flip that for a minute because we always talk about this in the suffering side, but our perspective gets way out of whack when we're doing really well. Right? How often is it do we cling to God in our times of need and then when we're not in need, we're like, oh yeah, I should pray. Or, oh, oh yeah, I should focus on God. Or, or, man, I'm having this really great day, and you're surrounded by people that are watching how you handle that as well. And how do we portray God in the gospel when we're doing really well? It's the same thing. What's our perspective? Man, this is all passing. You go win the lottery, and $2 million later, you're, you're, you're like, yay. I would be. Do some toe touches and celebrate. I just won the lottery. The last thing God's going to ask me is about how I felt when somebody gave me $2 million. It doesn't matter. What God's going to ask me is probably in that situation, how did you use that $2 million to further my kingdom? You know, how did you, how did you use that place where you won, where you had those big wins to glory? So it's not just in the bad, it's in the good, right? We tend to identify more with the bad, but it's in the good too. What's our perspective? So is it okay if I, I give you guys a couple challenges? Um, is that okay? Because I'm not going to do it if it's not okay. I'm not going to do it unless you tell me it's okay. Okay, it's not okay. I'm done. I'm going to do it anyways. All right. <laughs> All right, here's what I want you to do this week. Guys, write this down. If you're not writing it down, I'll wait till you get a pen out or a phone out. I'm going to challenge you. I got some very specific things I want you to do with this. Okay, I've been thinking about this. And I will tell you, this message I wrote uh, a couple weeks ago, and it's been challenging me um, to do some things spiritually and in disciplines and, and to look to God a little bit more and to count on God a little bit more and to change my perspective in the things I've been doing. Now, I want to tell you, my life is not going badly right now. My life is going very, very well, and that's been the struggle for me. Um, everything's going really, really, really well. Like, this is really weird for me. Because I'm at school, and I am adored there, which is usually not the case. I usually am a pain in the tuchus, all right? I'm usually annoying and obnoxious, and it's just my personality traits, and people are like, he does a good job teaching, but we hate him, all right? But at this school, for some reason, I have found favor, and I believe God has a plan for that. But in that favor, it's been going so well that I forget that I'm there because God has a plan for that, right? And God's reminding me of that and using this. So like I said, it could be in good and bad. So here's what I want to do. Number one. I want you to go home this week and pick a couple stories out of the Old Testament, whichever one you like. Gideon, Abraham, Joshua, David, any of the prophets are fascinating. 
okay? Um, pick their stories, all right? Read a story, maybe two, about these people. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to take some time and focus in on those stories to see exactly how big and how great our God is. Don't focus on the fact that God is rescuing Moses or the people of Israel. Focus on how he does it. Don't focus on the fact that David, is a, David gets all these accolades as being a man after God's own heart. Focus on the things God does with David and that God does through David. For a minute, I want you to stop focusing on the people of the Bible and focus on the point. It's God. And so try to do that. Try to get some stories and write down your notes of how God interacted in each story and what he did that was amazing and beyond control. And look for the rescues, but also look for the situations where God left people in their stuff and see how he still acts big and in control. Um, okay. Second, I then want you to look at the, cir the circumstances you're presently in, good and bad. I want you to list them. There might be three or four you're in the middle of, work stuff, family stuff, uh, just stuff. And I want you to list the things that you're in the middle of. And I want you to, to tie the two together. If God is big in these stories, what is he looking for you to do in this story? And usually what I find is as I draw the picture, as I draw it out, and I say, okay, I'm in this circumstance. If I will radiate out from that, I can attach four or five people that are connected to that circumstance with me. And I guarantee if you radiate that out and you see that you're in the center of it, that God has purpose for you in that. Good and bad. Gosh, that speaker got me last week and it got me again this week. All right, I'm telling you. Um, I want you to look around and see where it radiates out to. Why? And, and that helps us understand why we're there. Okay? Good and bad. I want you to list by every circumstance you have. Temporary. Every single one I want you to list by the circumstance you have. Temporary. And by every person around that circumstance, I want you to write the word, word eternal. Because your circumstances are going to go away. Their fate is eternal. Okay? It's not the easiest thing I've ever asked you guys to do. Now, you ready for your big part in this? You've done all that. You've identified it. You're getting the proper perspective. I want you to pray. I want you to pray every day for that circumstance. And if you feel like you're not strong enough, go ahead and pray for God to take you out of it. But pray while you're in it that all those people that have eternal consequences, he is using you to touch in a way that spreads the gospel. That you are speaking the gospel without fear. And if you can't do that, invite them here. Because we speak the gospel without fear here. We won't apologize for what the Bible says, but we'll do it in love. And we would love to preach to the ones that need to hear it in your lives and your circumstances. And if all you can say is, all I can explain to you is I go to church on Sunday and somehow that's getting me through this, that would be enough. Pray lots. Pray lots. Advance the gospel. Okay? Here's my last take on this. I'm just, taking the proper perspective, the eternal perspective, will allow us to know that God is in control. Counting on his love 
will let us know that we're cared for. Even when it seems like we're abandoned, we never are. All right? Usually when we seem like we're abandoned, it's because we've abandoned our connection with God. Because if you stay connected to God in your toughest times or, or your best times, you will never feel abandoned. Because God will never abandon you. And if you're going through a tough time and you've separated from him, or you're going through a good time and you're separated from him, reconnect. Because he's there. It says he is faithful. Which means whenever we turn to him, he's going to be there. It's really good stuff. I don't know if you guys are feeling this, but it's been working on me all week. So um, what I want to do is I just want to pray over you guys. Um, I want to add one aspect to this. If you're sitting in here and saying, how can I take any of these perspectives? I don't know Jesus. That's a really good question. The answer is know Jesus. And it's pretty simple. It's, God, I want to be able to have some of these things, this ability to take perspective of circumstance and understand your love and work from there. It's very simple. It says, confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, that he does have ultimate control, that he is the one running our, our lives and our world, and that his glory is what matters over ours. And if you believe that, then you're allowed to take these perspectives and have that help and, and be able to count on all those things. The fact that he's all-powerful, the fact that he is in control, the fact that he's got it all figured out, and the story has not changed from Genesis 1 to Revelation in the end. The story is we win because God gave up everything for us. And that perspective is amazing. So um, if you don't know Christ... Uh, I'm going to give you a minute here. So if everybody just bow their head, close your eyes so we can spend a minute with God. Um, if you don't know Christ right now, it's a simple prayer. God, I'm a sinner, and I've been running my own life out of my perspective and my uh, way of doing things, and it's not working. And God, I know you're right here telling me right now that you are here to save me. The, the, the story was you loved me from the beginning and that there is a different perspective that I should have, and it's yours. God, I want that. I want to know what that is. I want to know what it is to know you and be loved by you. And so I give up control of my life. I surrender. You're Lord. And God, I acknowledge you as God and Lord of my life. The Bible says if you've done that, if you've prayed a prayer like that, that he knows you and you are saved, and this perspective we're talking about can start taking over your life. For those of you that have known God, I want you to just take a minute. And I want you to think about your circumstances and today pray about them. Pray that God is starting to give you proper perspective, that you can start to turn to him in perspective and look out of his eyes at the circumstances you're in and that you can start making sure that the eternal things are what matters, not the temporary. And that we don't even hold our own life so dear over the gospel. Take a minute. Spend some time with God. Pray through those things a minute. God, we thank you for this day. We thank you that you are God and you are in control and you love us. God, I don't get it, I never will, but you created us to love us and you created us with purpose. And God, there's nothing I have to fear on this world because I know you. 
God, there is no circumstance that you don't have me in for a reason, and there is no circumstance you are not in control of. God, I worship you for that. God, today and this week as we go forward, let us try to put these things to work. Let us try to put these things into real tangible actions. God, enable us to be able to see your perspective this week. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Living Way Church podcast. If you enjoyed this message, we hope you come visit us in Garland, Texas. For directions and more information about the church, go to www.livingwaychurch.cc.